0: Welcome to The Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at The Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado.
1: These stories were recorded live on January 16th, 2014. The theme of the evening was Things I've Forgotten.
0: Your next storyteller is new to our show... But she is going to run a show here on March 14th called, I believe it's called My Teenage Angst, uh, where people share their high school journals, which would be incredible. Um, that's March 14th uh, in this room, and it's happened in a few other venues around town. Uh, please welcome Megan Nice.
2: Hi. Hi. So, um, so I brought a couple of things from my journal box, and um, a journal box is a container where you keep your high school journals. Um, I don't know if anybody else does that, but I do, and I just can't get rid of them, um, because you go back and you read them, and the stories are funny, and that's what My Teenage Inks is all about, so if you have a journal box, come and join me uh, March 14th here. Um, and uh, I immediately thought of a story about forgetting things. But when I went digging for that story, I found something else that I thought was pretty good that I wanted to share. This is my kiss list. These are all the boys I ever kissed. No ladies, just boys. And uh, it's very well organized. Um, The middle column, uh, it it says man at the top. (laughs) And uh, we've got first and last names. And in some cases, I didn't know the last name. So it says things like Seth, Beth, stepson, or Larry, Fort Ram. Uh, you know? And so it goes on and on like that. Um, and then I actually have their ages. So the ages, all right. I have my age and then their age in a second column here because this is important. <laughs> because if you kiss somebody who's three years older than you, you're Cool. Right? Like, my first kiss, I was 11, he was 14. Yeah. It's kind of... I have a daughter now, and I'm like, oh, dear. Um, And then I got a few here where I actually have multiple years, because we stayed together for multiple years. That was exciting. But then um, over on the left, you'll see I have um, the column, Act. And uh, so what happened was, at some point, kissing went a little further than kissing, and it became a plus. So it was a kiss plus something else. Um, but I had to go back and give Shane some credit, because while he didn't get a plus, um, we did a little something, like a boo grab or something, so he got a half a plus. <laughs> so I had, I had to give him some credit. And then, um, you know, then eventually I had sex, and uh, that person got a star. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, but I was in love, so I gave him a heart, too. But then he broke my heart, so I had put a little line down the middle to indicate that we, he had broken my heart. <laughs> so on it goes. I go to college. I've got fr- I was in a sorority, so I've got the fraternities from the guys that I made out with and whatnot. And we get to the back, and there's my husband, the last person, which is good because he's here, and it would be really awkward if he wasn't the last person. <laughs> And, uh, and so we got married, right? And I didn't want to forget we got married. So I put a little hand on there with a little ring to indicate that I married him. And then we had a baby. And so I put a little rattle on there so I didn't forget that we had a baby. Because I, you know, I might forget that I have a five-year-old daughter. I, I don't know. But anyway, I just wanted to share that. But here's the story. Um, I'm going to read it um, because it's, it's better to hear it word for word from the page. Whew, I'm shaking so much. I'm s- okay, here we go. I'm supposed to pretend like you're all afraid of me. That's, that's the way you're supposed to get through stage fright. Are you all scared of me? <laughs> pretend like you are. It helps. Okay, um, so it's called My First Party, and I wrote it in uh, 1989. It's the original story, so I've had this for um, 25 years. I'm 40, um, so I've had it for a while. And uh, it features number 11 on my kiss list and uh, also the first star. (laughs) But I have another story about that. This one's different. So this one's called My First Party. It was February 3rd, and the parents were out of town. Dee had a meeting in Idaho, and my dad was in the mountains skiing. My stepsister couldn't get to the house, so I was all alone. The only people invited were close friends such as Sarah, Jeff, Kate, Shelly, and Ian. Around 5 o'clock, Shelly showed up ready to get drunk. Ian came, and then Jeff went out to get our order. Around 9 o'clock, Jeff showed up with our order of liquor. Two bottles of Nad Dog, a case of beer, and straight vodka. Because I, I guess there's another kind, I don't know. That was enough to do in a whole army! We transferred up to the dining room and played Thumbmaster. I popped in some Metallica fade to black, and the show is on the road. <laughs> Thumbmaster was a fun game. I drank the bottle of Mad Dog and had a mixed drink in front of me. I lost the thumb round and was the new Thumbmaster. But first, I had to drink the rest of my vodka and tonic water. I was so drunk I couldn't even taste it. And then I woke up in my sister's bed. So the question is, what happened the rest of the night? I had no clue. Now I believe people when they say they don't remember when they get drunk, and what I learned I didn't like. After I drank the rest of the mixed drink, I could no longer stand. As Shelly and Ian escorted me downstairs, I drooled and fell. (laughs) I told Shelly I had to pee. She took care of that until I fell off the toilet. Ian had to, help me, had to help her hold me on. They tried to make me sleep, and for 30 minutes I did, and then I had to pee again. And when I arrived at the toilet, I started throwing up all of the night stuff. Shelly couldn't take the smell, so Ian had to take care of me the rest of the night. I fell over again and barfed all over the floor, Ian and myself. I started to choke on vomit. I could have died if Ian hadn't been there. saved me. Kate and Shelley changed me, and Ian put me in bed. He wouldn't leave until I fell asleep, and around one, I finally rested quietly. The next day, I had a big mess to clean up, and the bathroom took days to air out, but my parents never found out. I didn't find out that Sarah and Jeff had had sex, until my stepmom found a, con- found a rubber two days later. Cool guys. At least I got out of it. We also lost a bottle of Mad Dog somewhere in the house. I don't know how I'm going to cover that one up. The rest of the school found out what happened, but I don't care, because my pals still like me, and Ian and I are closer than ever. (laughs) Uh, It will be a night that I'll never forget or remember. One thing is, it's now next Friday, and my parents are in Boston for the weekend. Any ideas, anyone? I have some great ones.
0: As Megan Nice, <laughs> Ron is the, not only the producer of our of uh, our podcast, he also produces my sex chat podcast, The Unicorn. If you want to hear that, he's uh, he's all about that. And uh, pretty much anywhere where anything is recorded in Denver, Ron is somehow involved with it. Uh, please welcome Ron Doyle.
1: Seven years ago, I maybe sort of. Stole a bicycle? I'll let, I'll let you decide. I think I saved it. You know, it, every apartment complex in Denver has at least one bike rack that people just use to kill their bikes. That's, that's where they lock up their bike and they leave it there to die. And there was this apartment complex, I forget the name of the place, near my buddy Gabe, and it had a, a, just a horrific bicycle graveyard. Uh, and one of the bikes there was unlocked. And it had sat there for over a year. And he had told me about this bike. He's like, yeah, it's a really sweet mountain bike, man. You should get it. And I didn't think anything about it, because I didn't need any more bikes. I already had three bikes in my garage. Uh, but my mountain bike had been stolen. And uh, I, at the time, I was teaching high school in Boulder, and I lived in Denver, and I was commuting every day, uh, 30 miles on bike and 50 miles by bus. And winter was coming, and I did not want to ride through the ice on a cyclocross skinny, tired bike. So I needed something. I needed a mountain bike. I needed girth. And, And I went, and I checked out the bike, and when I saw it all these memories flooded back to me because I immediately recognized this bike. It was a 1994 Marin Eldridge grade. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Just just think for me, it, it, classic 90s-era mountain bike, champagne body, red anodized tips, hard-tail, fully... This sounds really sexual. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was, you know what? It's true. It was. It was the love of my life. When I was 14 years old, I would go into the only bike shop in my hometown, and I would ogle this bike all day long. I knew it. In its prime, it was worth $1,000. It was the bike I never got to have. And there it was, just sitting unlocked, with a wheel in the back that was sort of shaped like a taco, so nobody wanted it. And it was there for the taking. And I didn't take it at first because fucking bike thieves are the lowest form of human being on the planet, aren't they? They're the, yeah. they're the worst human beings on the planet. And I was not a bike thief. I refused to do that. So I, I, I looked at the bike and I inspected and I found a little sticker and it was registered uh, with the Telluride Marshall's office. So I said, okay, I'm gonna try and find the owner of this bike uh, and I'm gonna become its guardian until I can find its owner. <laughs> I'm going to take care of it. So I did. I went back. I went home. I called up the Telluride Marshal's office, explained my story, and the marshal was very gracious, and he gave me a name. He said, the guy, the owner, is Adam Markovich. He gave me his last known phone number, which was from, like, 1995. I tried calling it disconnected big surprise Uh, but then I took it a step further I spent 15 bucks on one of those little person searches you can do on the internet and I looked up and I found a guy Adam Markovich who had lived in Telluride and in Boulder and in Denver and I called every single number on the list and I even went to a house here in Denver and I knocked on the door trying to find him and when I couldn't well okay I nope not there okay it's my bike. (laughs) So I, so I went and I took the bike. And that when I, f- I fixed the rear wheel and I, when I rode on it, I was like, oh, this is it. I, I had forgotten how much I had loved this bike when I was 14. But the irony was, this bike was made for the 14-year-old me. I didn't fit this bike anymore. It was too small. And I was riding 30 miles a day. So by the end of every day, my back just ached. And I had forgotten how much I would loved the bike, but I couldn't let go. And really, forgetting is easy, uh, but letting go is really hard. And I had not let go of the fact that I knew this bike didn't really belong to me. And so when I would ride, I had this odd feeling that I was, I was riding in someone else's skin. Jump ahead, uh, nine months, I've left my job as a teacher, I'm now full-time stay-at-home dad and i'm writing for magazines and mountain bike magazine asked me to do a story about this bike and about my search for markovich i'd, I'd named the bike markovich and i couldn't get rid of the fi- like the bike didn't fit me and it was just sitting in my garage i couldn't get rid of it because it's not really mine to sell or give away it's it's adam's bike so they they asked me start up the search again do it do it again let's see what you can what, what you can do so I created a website. Back then, the Internet seemed a lot more possible. Like things, you felt like you could really do things with the Internet. So I started a blog, and I, did, and I called up the Telluride Marshall's office again to see if uh, they had any additional information. And I, I talked to another uh, Marshall, and he said, well, you know, this, this uh, registration predates computers. <laughs> and so let me go and look in the original paper files and see what I can find. And he comes back, and he says, yeah, no, it's the same guy. It's Adam Markovic. I said Excuse me? Markovic. Okay. Uh like with without an H on the end? He's like, Yeah, M A R K V O S I C. Oh, okay. So I did it again. I did the I did the search again and I found uh, I found some more people, and I started calling, and I'm posting photos on the Internet, and I'm, like, tweeting about it, and I'm t- posting it on Facebook, and, and I start getting people coming to me, and they're starting to respond, and I'm getting these little bits of information. I get some guy in Arizona, and he's like, well, yeah, my name's Adam, but it's not me, and I found, like, this church bulletin <laughs> where... I found this church bulletin where somebody had been praying, like a Serbian church, where somebody had been praying for Adam. And I was like, oh, well, that's a lead. I'm going to find this guy. And it, nothing, nothing was really happening. And I had to go ahead and work on the story. And right before I had to s- turn the story into Mountain Bike, I got an email. And I, I forget the guy's name. And I wish I could remember it. And I forget the college. But this was Adam's fraternity brother. And he he, refer he, I, can't, I wish I could just quote his entire story, but basically he said, oh, that Adam, he was a real pussyhound. I scored more secondhand tail off that guy than anyone I've ever And I was like, this is the Adam? Really? But then he also, in the email, he included a photo, and it was like one of those like fraternity house photos with all the little guys on it. And I found Adam's photo, and, and he, was, he was. He was beautiful. I would have fucked up. I, didn't, I understood when I saw the photo. So I took that photo, I cropped it out, and I put it on the website. And I kept asking questions, and I kept hunting around. And because of this lead of, of I knew this was the University of Missouri, I, I went back to the original search, and I found an Adam Markovich in Missouri. And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to find it. And I had a radio station in some little small town in Missouri running all day long there is a writer for Mountain Bike Magazine looking for Adam Markovich. If you're Adam Markovich, please call. This, like, honey-throated lady at the radio station was like, if you, want to, if you know about a mountain bike that was lost in Denver, blah, 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 call now. Uh, it, nothing, nothing came of it. I turned in the story, and I thought it was over. For folks that don't realize about magazines, they're not timely things. There's a delay. So when you turn in a story for Christmas, you're doing it in July, and this story was about three months away from when it was going to come out. And in that three months after I had turned in the story, Adam contacted me. He emailed me, and and he had said, "I am Markovic, the man." You found me, and it was really crazy to see all this stuff and to be reminded of my fraternity brother, who was kind of a prick, but, you know, I've got mostly fond memories of him, so it's cool. Uh, And I just want to let you know that this bike was stolen from me over ten years ago in front of the market on Larimer, and because the bike was stolen from me, I got into a car And I drove, and I was in a car accident that changed the trajectory of my life forever. As a a writer, I was like, scored the jackpot he had been drafted into the serbian army and he was a sniper no that's not at all what happened he didn't tell me anything he, that was where he cut off the story he wouldn't tell me anymore because he felt so violated because i had forgotten the fact that i had made him into a wanted man on the internet and it was i mean imagine if someone was looking for you this way and you found yourself he was f- sincerely freaked out and, and disturbed. So he didn't want to talk to me. He gave me the blessing to keep the bike and I forgot that that was okay. I and mean, I didn't want to let go of this story so I kept pushing and I was like no man, like, is there any way I could I have friends in New York, can I come deliver it to you? Because he'd been living in Brooklyn for 10 years. Uh, he hadn't been in Denver in 10 years. So the bike had been gone that long. And, and he just he wouldn't do it. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't accept the bike. And so then I was stuck. And in the end, I, I had to give the bike away. Uh, I, wound up, I wound up donating it to uh, a program that just takes care of middle schoolers. And, and it was really hard for me because I'm still obsessed uh, about what, what the hell was this bike doing for 10 years, man? Like, this bike had a really cool life. And, and it was then just sitting there on this bike rack, completely forgotten. For me, it's it's something where I no longer have the bike, but I still I try to remember uh, what it meant to me. Uh, but eventually, I just had to I had to let go. Because
0: Ron Doyle. The narrator's podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The narrator's podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl, or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about The Narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to thenarratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.